Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you, and have a blessed day. And so to center us in Lent today, I want, I want you guys to read with me a scripture. You're going to find it on the screen. It comes from John 15:5. Read this scripture with me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. This scripture reading really does set us up for our sermon series during Lent, the five practices of a fruitful congregation, because we have to realize in order for us to be a healthy and vibrant and alive congregation, we have to be centered and focused in Jesus. And the only way that I know how to do that really is through scripture. And then living that scripture out, the vine being the scripture and the branches being us, living that out in everyday world and we'll produce much fruit with him. And without Jesus, we can't do anything. And I believe that. This season of Lent, it, it brings us back and, and, and it causes us to work on our practices. It's a season of hyper-focusing on our lives and our connection. And like I challenge you in Ash Wednesday service, if your Ash Wednesday practice, if, if your Lent practice doesn't connect you with God, I really want you to rethink that a little bit. Because if we're saying we're giving up chocolate, but then we're not doing anything in response to the giving up chocolate, we're just giving up chocolate. If we say we're giving up soda and, and we're, we're, we're doing it for Lent, and we're not making a connection with God or using that money that we would for good, are we really just giving up soda, not really diving into the spiritual practices of fasting? And so in this season, we're going we're gonna to practice a little bit. We're going we're gonna to practice different things. In the first week, we're going to be looking at um, radical hospitality. And, and don't freak out by that word, radical hospitality. It's not going to be anything different than we already do here. You do some of it very well. There's just some things we could work on. Kind of like Lent. The reason why we remember that, it's because we know that we're not perfect, yet we're moving towards perfection. And, and there are things that we have to learn. There are things we have to polish. It's, it's like watching a hitter, a baseball hitter. You know how many swings they take before they get on the field in a baseball game? Thousands before they get to the field. And they work on that because they want to work on that hitting stroke and making sure that they're doing the right mechanics. And, and the same thing with any other sport or any other task or any other art. We have to continue to work on it and perfecting it because sometimes when we make a mistake, when we do... We can say, oh, this is why I made that mistake. Go back and correct it. And it's the same thing with our life and our faith. If, if we have these moments of Lent, that's one of the reasons why I love Lent, because Lent brings us back into the practice of centering ourselves in God and, and getting us ready, recognizing that we're not perfect and we fall short and, and, and we need Easter and we need Jesus. And so I want to invite you in in Lent to take it, take it seriously. Open yourself up to the possibility of what, how that may shape and change you in walking in your everyday life. And so for these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, at these various tasks. I'm excited that next week, I'm going to have a very special friend preaching for me on uh, Sunday, Derek Belays. Some of you know Derek Belays. He works in the conference office. He's a phenomenal preacher, great guy. Or as Jane, uh, Jane likes to point out that he and I are similar in so many ways. And then I started thinking, I don't ever see Derek and I in the same place at one time. So maybe we're one in the same person. So I invite you back next week to hear what Derek has to, has to bring with you in regards to living out your faith.
And so, let's begin. Will you open up your study guides found in your uh, uh, books there, and let's begin with prayer. Gracious and loving God, as we come before you today and, and the scripture is read and, and heard and meditated on, may it penetrate our lives and our hearts in such a way that we live faithfully for you. Lord, may everything we do honor and glorify you. And in those places that we fall short, may you bring us back and help us learn to be better disciples of Jesus Christ so we can transform the world for you. And all of us gathered here said, Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And you can find that in your study guide, or if you actually like to open up your Bible or power it on, you're more than welcome to do that as well. And so listen to these words. Now when the Son of Man comes in His majesty, and all of His angels are with Him, He will sit on His majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but he'll put the goats he'll put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food. Food to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty to give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and gave you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when, one, when you have done it for me, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you, then when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go on into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So our theme for today is radical hospitality. And and I want you not to be afraid. Because that word radical can be a little bit scary sometimes. That word radical can be challenging. It can push us because it's been used in ways to define things that are evil and wrong. But really, when you think about it, radical hospitality is exactly what the scripture reading was diving into today. It's that offering ourselves to the other. If they were naked, find them some clothes. Very basic, right? If they're hungry, feed them. If they need something, help them out. It's not very radical, is it? 
But for some it is. Because when we do it in response to our faith, when, when we're willing to stretch ourselves and do it in such a way that, that it's not normal, the world doesn't know how to respond. I think of a story when, when I was a kid and, and I was first coming to church. It, it took some radical hospitality on a church for, for people to come pick me up on Sunday morning. See, my parents weren't going to take me to church on Sunday morning. They weren't going to drive me to church on Sunday morning. And so the pastor's daughter took it upon herself as radical hospitality to, to offer up, come and get me for Sunday school and, and, and drag me to Sunday school. She didn't really drag me to Sunday school. It was more like I was waiting on the park bench in front of our house, waiting for her to pick up most Sunday mornings because I was already up. And that hospitality led to me getting to know the church a little bit more and seeing how people were willing to love and care for me no matter where I was on my faith journey. And it was just radical. I mean, how radical is it? I mean, think about, think about those people that give you that excuse about not coming to church. How would they respond if on Sunday morning you rolled up to their house knocking at their door? Hey, now you have no excuse. I love you. I care for you that much that your spiritual well-being means that much to me that I want to bring you with me. That's radical, isn't it? That beats the mold of traditional hospitality molds in the church. Very biblical, though. We have to seek those without. And we have so many people in this world that, that are, are longing and looking for community, and if we can practice radical hospitality in such a way, lives will be touched and transformed. And everybody in this room has that gift to be able to offer something. Whether it be music, or, or ringing in the bell choir, or pushing buttons on the soundboard, or on the computer, or reading liturgy, or, or serving on a mission trip. I mean, we have endless opportunities here for people to grow and love and get to know community in such a way that is truly Christ-centered and Christ-focused. And yet, we're so afraid to offer that up to people. Be honest with yourself. When was the last time you personally not only invited someone to church, but said, I will be there for you on Sunday morning? Statistically, it's, I don't even want to give you the statistic. It's, it, it will blow your mind. It's about once every 35 years. You understand that's an average of people and but that invitation, it, it, if we don't love our church enough to invite people to church on Sunday morning, then why are we doing this? Radical hospitality causes us to come out of our shell and out of what we know and, and, and open us up to that possibility of sharing God's love to everyone that we meet. But it's something that we have to practice. It's something that, like, we can't just say we do radical hospitality. It's something that we have to continue to practice and continue to work on and be loving and caring and inviting to one another but when we practice it and share our lives and our faith with the world we'll make disciples of jesus christ for the transformation of the world and some of that means that some of we have to shed some of that stuff that we've built up along our ways some of that means that we have to re-change our focus and change who we are i was thinking you know 11 years ago i was a youth director I had just given up my youth ministry job and was going to be a father, and then I ended up got, I fell into a job as, as a university professor, and, and man, my focus had to change. I was a seminary student, finishing up seminary, teaching at a university. 
But through radical hospitality and love, I was able to see how serving in the church is one of the most life-giving things ever. Ashley and I found a church in Oklahoma City that, that, that really we fell in love with because we lived faith together. And we walked with each other. So much so that there are still some of them that will call me or text me even still today with questions. Because they have that kind of trust in me. And it all started when somebody simply said, looked at me and Ashley one Sunday morning, really pregnant Ashley and I were at church one Sunday morning. And they said, hey, why don't you come to Sunday school with us? And they didn't just say, our Sunday school's over there. Next thing I knew, we were being dragged into this Sunday school room physically to visit Sunday school. But that wasn't even our first visit. That was our second visit. Our first visit, we had a phone call before 2 o'clock from a woman who that was her ministry. She was in her 80s. She said, I can't go on mission trips. I can't do some of the things around the church, but I can make phone calls. What do you want to know about the church that I love and care about? I was blown away. I'd never been in a church that extended grace and mercy to me in such a way. Because I just needed to hear her saying, we were glad that you were here. And just that little thing changed our perception of that church. And then it started down a whole other crazy path, and here I am today. But it started with the act of stepping out of what we know is normal and sharing the gifts and graces of who people were to bring me along. And that is that radical hospitality that I like to think about and talk about. Bishop Snazy in his book, Five Fruitful Practices for Healthy Congregations, says this. He says, faith communities practice radical hospitality, offer a surprising and unexpected quality of death and authenticity in their caring for the stranger. Which really means that they mean it. And they're not just going around, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? They get to know the person that's sitting in the pew with them. They get to know the person that are, that are around them and, and, and engage in them in such a way that, that, they, that they get to actually know them and, and be that person who the scripture reading that we saw today is. It's sharing ourselves with the others in such a crazy way. Or as like we hear from time to time about good churches that practice radical hospitality, they really know me. And think about that. That's one of the things that I've heard over the last year of this church is that, and I hear this a lot, they really care about me. And we strive to. Now, granted, sometimes it's hard because there's a lot of you and only a few of us. And so we need more people. We need more people on the care team. I know they would love to have more care pe- team on the care team. We need more people in, uh, going on with us on mission trips. 14 is not enough in my book in a church this size, in a community this large. We need enough on Thursday nights to feed my sheep to help and serve because I can tell you there are nights when Bilal and Janet are are desperate for people. And don't even get me started about Bible studies and Sunday school because that's how our faith grows. That's how we learn to care for one another. When we enter into those small groups of, of getting to know one another, it doesn't happen in worship. Worship's not designed that way. Worship's designed to come together and we lift up God and we sing praise and, and we share with one another. We share our joys and concerns, but, but let's be honest, how many of you forget them by the time you get to your car on Sunday night, Sunday morning? Or we actually really do care and then we make up that phone call and that's, that's a good for next step. But when we really care about somebody, we're willing to go that extra mile for them, no matter where they are. And sometimes it's recognizing 
loving on them and caring for them. And so how can we get to know these people? How can we get to know these strangers? Uh, Jim Osier in his book, um, Clip In, he has this really good acronym. And I, I mean, this wouldn't be a method of service if I didn't have an acronym with it. He uses the acronym WEAVE. And it's welcome on a personal level. Don't just walk up to someone and say, hi, glad you're here. Walk up to them and say, hi, my name is Matt Franks. I'm glad that you could join us today. I'm the lead, if you didn't know, obviously, I mean, I'm usually not very, I'm the lead pastor here. You know, Adam Hamilton, the pastor of the largest United Methodist Church in the world, always greets himself, hi, I'm Adam Hamilton, lead pastor of Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas, every stinking time. He's got it programmed in his head. Because even though he knows people know who he is, he wants people to know that connection. And that personal level, that personal invitation. Hi, I'm blah, and you're blah. And always repeat it back to them. You're blah? Oh, that's nice. It's, it's getting to know them. You're not asking for their social security number or bank card or anything like that. You're just saying, hi, welcome. Empathize with them. Listen to them. Ask them, why are you here? Oh, I'm here because I'm visiting this, or I'm here because so-and-so singing in the choir, or I'm here. Oh, that's great. And remember that. Truly, actively listen for them. Acknowledge any concerns or needs. Maybe they're here because they're searching for a relationship with Jesus. And we have ways to connect them into that acknowledge maybe they're maybe they're struggling hey you haven't been here in a while i've noticed have you been sick oh you've been sick you you, you've been gone for a while you oh well we're sorry is there anything i can do for you acknowledge their needs meet them where they're at you can hear that matthew scripture coming back into play again can't you verify that their needs have been met and and you know let's be honest you're not going to be able to meet everybody's needs but you can meet them at a level where they can feel human and at least anything, acknowledge their presence and verify that they're here. Hey, thank you for being here today. And then exit on a personal level. Hey, blah, it was nice to meet you. You know, their name's not going to be blah, but, you know. But I think if we work on weave a little bit, could you imagine what that would do in our church? Or the, the other challenge that, that Ozier likes to use, he uses what's called the 510 link rule. So five minutes before and five minutes after church, meet someone you don't know. If you notice during Passing in Peace, I'm very adamant about that. Most of the time Passing in Peace, I zoom right past all of you that I know, and I want to get to know these new people that are coming. Because that's how we get to be, build relationships, isn't it? Because if I stand during Passing the Peace and only talk to the same five people, am I doing what I ask you to do? No. I challenge myself. And like literally, I, when I come up to someone and they're, and they're wanting to come and talk to me during Passing the Peace, I try to do like, a, oh, nope. They can get me after worship. But I think if we, if we practice that, if we, if we work on that five minutes before and five minutes after, meet someone that you don't know, connect with them, get to know with them, weave with them a little bit. We're living into that Matthew scripture a little bit more. We're practicing radical hospitality a little bit more because everybody has something to offer. Don't sell yourself short in your walk with Jesus. And then that link, if, if, if 
10 minutes, it, it, five feet. So five minutes after service today, 10 feet. That's not very big. 10 feet, meet at least one or two new people before you leave today. It's really easy today, folks. You have it really easy. I did not plan this. But meet someone new. And maybe they're looking for something. Maybe they want to be a part of the bell choir. Connect them with Linda. Maybe they want to sing in the choir. Connect them with Bob. Maybe they want to go on a mission trip. Throw them to, to James Bond or, or lead them to my direction. Or maybe they want to get involved with all of our other ministries that we have going on. Help connect them to that next person. And if we can practice this 5-10 link thing, could you imagine what it would really do? And then I think the big challenge for us today as we think about radical hospitality and how we live it out, not only as a church, but in our daily lives. I want you to look at the scripture, Hebrews 13.2, which you'll find on the screen here. Did I not? Okay, I was like, I thought I put all of it up there. Hebrews 13.2 says, Don't neglect to open up your homes to guests, because by doing this, some have been hosts to angels without knowing it. My life was changed because radical hospitality. A church loved me and cared for me and nurtured me so much so that I want my church that I serve to be that way. Where they can nurture people like me to come into the life of the faith and find Jesus and their lives are transformed. Now, I'm not asking everybody to be ordained ministers. That's not everybody's call. But I hope by us practicing radical hospitality, you find your call to help make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world because that is what we're called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. So don't be afraid to open up your homes. Don't be afraid to invite someone that you kind of know but you don't really know. Hey, let's go to dinner or let's go to lunch. Get to know them. You would be surprised at how many life-changing conversations happen over lunch. A lot of them. And so if we're going to make that next step, if we're going to continue to live the way that God has called us to be, to be an open hearts, open minds, open doors church, we have to practice radical hospitality. We've got it, we're pretty decent, but as Rosalind always loves to remind me, we could do better, and I'm not disagreeing with her one bit. And so I want to challenge you this week. Be radical in your hospitality. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First Young Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd love to join us in person, we worship at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And you can find out more information about us by going online at TahlequahUMC.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.